punchline of a lot of Christian comedians, uh, but there are a lot of metaphors in a worship song. You know a worship song is good if it has water metaphors, um, if it has fire, um, <laughs> if it has wind, um, in this case wings like eagles. Um, and I think one of the reasons that metaphors are used so often is because it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people. You know, so like in the case of this next song, um, it's talking about Egypt. And in the Bible, uh, the children of Israel were led out of Egypt. They were in a place that they didn't put themselves, technically. They didn't, they didn't enslave themselves. That was done by the Egyptians. Um, but then God rescued them from that place of being um, enslaved from being a victim um, and God showed his mighty hand by bringing them out of a situation they didn't create for themselves and that happens a lot to us that we are we find ourselves placed in situations um, that we didn't put ourselves in people people there's there's evil in the world I, I know you're aware of that and people make choices based on their own selfish, um, sometimes evil desires, and that can affect us. Um, we can be victims of people that have chosen to do evil or selfish things. And then there's times where the metaphor expands, and we've placed ourselves in Egypt. We have allowed ourselves to become enslaved and bonded to things that we shouldn't. And in that same case, God loves to come in and pull us out. He loves to do mighty, amazing miracles to pull us out of the mess that we created ourselves. I'm really good at that. <laughs> and God's really good at showing his mighty hand and pulling me out. And so as we sing this next song, which might be new to some of you, um, I want you to think about those times that you have found yourself in that place where because of the choices of other people, You've been stuck. You've, you've been victimized. But God's pulled you out 
in one way or another. Or I want you to think about that time that you made that choice and put yourself in bondage to something else. And God pulled you out because he does every time. Because his mercy is new every morning. And he never runs out of miracles. And he's going to keep doing it. And even if you find yourself in that place of bondage today, seeing this as um, like you're speaking it out over your life. Like, God, I'm waiting on your miracle. I'm waiting on the fire. I'm waiting on the water. I'm waiting for you to pull me out of that sea. I'm waiting for you to pull me out of this mess that I'm in for one reason or another.
in Ezekiel chapter 37, and I know we've heard this passage before, picking up at verse number four, it says, and again he said to me, prophesy over these, these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. And as we were singing this song, um, uh, I just began to uh, hear that resonate in my spirit about raising a hallelujah. You know, there is this, uh, people think prophecy is, is just receiving this uh, um, uh, a special message for someone, but the truth is uh, God has called each one of us to prophesy in our own lives. And raising a hallelujah is that prophetic voice, that prophetic edge that we are able to bring forth and begin to declare the things that God has written. I'm not asking you to be, you know, out there and start, you know, claiming something that God hasn't already declared in his word. But what I'm saying is when God's written it, it's already established. You know, we, we don't need to ask God to do something he's already declared. We just need to begin to declare it in our own life, the things that he's, he's promised to us. And, and some of us have received a word from God that he wants to do something, uh, he, that he is going to provide peace in the midst of a storm. You know, how many of you have ever gone through a storm in life? You know, uh, storms can be uh, overwhelming at times. They can be shaky at times. And yet, God has given us the ability to have peace. And, and what we have to do in the midst of the storm is to begin to, to prophesy, to declare the word of the Lord in the midst of that situation. Uh, so I don't know what you're going through, but even as the song was sharing, you know, sing a little louder. Sometimes you got to say it out loud and you got to get a little louder you got to get a little louder because you're not hearing it yet. See, the getting a little louder is not always about somebody else hearing it. It's about you convincing yourself that what God has already declared is going to come to pass. And so, church, I just I want to go through this again. And I just want you to know, if you're in the midst of something, uh, God has a word for you. And as you begin to declare God's truth, when you begin to raise the hallelujah, that God will begin to do something, I believe, in your life today. Not because Pastor Ralph said it, but because God's word said it. And so just begin to claim God's word in your life. Whatever situation you're dealing with, begin to declare God's word. I, I remember years ago when I began to pray and I began to declare that my father was going to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Even though for years he told me that it never happened, he didn't ever go to church. Even when I, uh, after I got saved and started preaching in the church, he never came to church. But I prayed that God would do whatever it took to get through to him. And, and the route that it was, was that he had to go through to experience that is not something I wish on anyone. But I tell you what, it brought him to a place of accepting Christ as his Lord and Savior. And before he died, he knew Jesus as his Lord. And that was the most important thing in, in, for me that I could ever think of, is knowing that my dad had the opportunity to declare before the the King of kings and the Lord of lords, uh, to confess him as his Savior. And so I want you to begin to declare God's word over your family, over your situation, whatever you're dealing with. God is not 
uh, caught by surprise. God is not confused. God is not uh, slow as we think of it. He is able to do that which His Word has declared. And so as we continue to worship here for just a little longer, I want you to open your voice and declare. Get a little louder. You know what? You're not going to scare somebody here if you need to get a little louder. It's okay. But begin to, to prophesy God's Word over your situation.
praise God. You can be seated. I love what um, it ends with there. Um, I raise a hallelujah. Again, you know, God is into this process that we have to choose to uh, engage. Um, we have to choose to do it because he's not going to force it. He is not going to um, make us do it. Uh, we have to choose uh, to have it happen. So... Uh, I'm excited about this series that we've been going through, and I, and I hope it's challenged you in areas. Um, today probably will be a little even more challenging. That's okay, right? Um, how many of you ever feel like you have life easy? Anybody here? Miss Elaine, thank you for being honest, Miss Elaine. I saw a few more of you shaking your hands. You just didn't want anybody else to know. You're afraid if you raise and say, I have, my, I have it easy, that, uh, you know, uh, someone's going to pick you for something um, that's going to be challenging to let you know. Um, but the truth is we all do. You know, we, we all uh, have it easy. Even in the midst of our most difficult moment, um, we have it pretty easy. Uh, you know, we have food, uh, we have power for, you know, electricity. Uh, um, most of us have vehicles and we have uh, uh, ability to go and do things whenever we're not, we want. We're not uh, on house arrest, you know, we're not, uh, you know, we, we, we have it pretty easy. Um, and sometimes that level of comfort that we live in, how many like comfort? I do. You, you come to my house, you know, I like it at a certain temperature. Winter, I like it about 70. Now, I tolerate down to 68 because now my kids live with me. Now, when I went to visit them in their house, when they had their own, the temp was set at 64. And now, my ice box is probably close to that. Um, I just don't do well with that. And during the, the, during the uh, summer, I like it about 68. I'm a, I'm a two-degree person. You know, I, give or take two degrees, that's where I'm at. Um, but I like my comfort. I like eating what I want to eat. You know, I've had people throughout my life try to get me to try different things. Eat this, you know, you'll like it. It's like, no, I don't want to. And, and, and typically, my wife can tell you, I don't. <laughs> Not that I mean to be rude, I just, I have been one of those individuals locked into my life the way it is. I, I didn't grow up with a, you know, lot of variety in life. And so because of that, in some ways, even though I've expanded my horizons quite a bit, um, eating-wise, I'm still very conservative on certain things, and um, other areas I am too. I, I only like certain music. It doesn't matter if it's supposed to be good or not, you know? Something, you know, like I remember, I shared with you my story about hard rock music or, you know, Christian music and uh, head-banging, I think is what I called it. And, and I don't care if they put a Christian label on it or not. It, I'm not comfortable with it, so I don't listen to it. So um, it doesn't make it bad. It's just not where I'm at. Now, when I sit down to listen to my Southern gospel, there's some people who's like, oh, my goodness, what in the world you got on? It's like, that's okay. You don't have to listen to my music. Um, that doesn't, it's not going to stop me. Now, I love all kinds of worship. I love worship music. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to listen to every kind of it. So I like what I like. You all like what you like. Sometimes, though, we go to the doctor and the doctor says, what you like isn't good for you, right? I went to the doctor for a checkup, and he said, your cholesterol is really high. It's like, okay. 
Is that a problem? <laughs> well, it is if you want to live long. So that's when I started cutting out potato chips, as I've talked to you all about, because they were not good for me. And other things. I started to make refinements in my eating process. And, and I try to yearly go to the doctor for a checkup because I want to make sure everything's good. You know, um, how many of you go to a yearly doctor appointment? And how many of you has he ever given you a, a list of some things that you're supposed to go home and make changes to in your life? Anybody else but me? I just didn't know if I was that one awkward person that the doctor had to deal with. You know, um, let's talk about automobiles. How many of you go in for a 3,000, 6,000, 10,000, you know, the numbers keep going up for certain, the newer vehicles on how long you have to do your oil change. How many of you do that regularly? You, how many of you are by the number? If it hits that number, you are there. You're, you're that regulated on your stuff. I knew, I knew Ryan would raise his hand. His, he's probably in there two days before so that when it rolls to that number, uh, he's there. Now, the, the whole concept behind that is to avert a major problem, right? That's the whole, the whole reason that you go to the doctor on a yearly basis. And I know, I've read articles this week, oh, yearly physicals are useless, you know, people, it's just a, it's a money thing. And I'm not here to argue with them or not. But you know what? One of the things that I have found is going to the doctor has given me awareness of some things that I need to change in my life. Now, whether it's work for you or not, get a different doctor. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if your doctor's here, don't let them judge me inappropriately. Um, but I just know the doctor's visits have not been all bad because they've helped me to understand what's going on in my body. The, the mechanic visits have been good for my vehicles because they help me understand what's going on in my car. And when you do those things on a regular basis, you literally are able to extend the life of your vehicle. You know, some people, I have a friend out in South Dakota that, uh, you know, he drove a Honda and he did all, he was like, he is very much like Ryan in how he takes care of his vehicle. Um, all the numbers. And, uh, you know, he drove this Honda to 400,000 miles. Now, that's a lot of miles. Now, in South Dakota, you can't go anywhere without driving a lot of miles, you know, because there's nothing like right next to each other. So it was a good vehicle to have for him. But he extended the life of this vehicle because he took care of it and did all the, the required maintenance along the way, and the vehicle lasted him a long time. I've tried to do that too. I try to pay attention to those things and, and take care of our vehicles, and they've lasted us a long time. They've helped me be aware of some problems that were coming. Um, you know, when I go to Muffler Brothers, who does a lot of our work, and he says, well, you don't need to worry about this today, but these are some things you're going to need to look at in the next three to six months. Um, it's like, great. It gives me the ability to plan. When the doctor evaluated me and said, hey, uh, you you know, really, inside of you looks like a 50-some-year-old man. So you're, in that way, you're good. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. But he said, your blood work says you need to make some changes here. It's like, okay. 
I'm, I'm working on those things. It's not easy. You know, when they start telling me I have to eat more vegetables, that creates a whole different paradigm for me. So, um, but I'm working on it. Not quickly, but I am. I'm thinking about it. I read about vegetables, and that doesn't help me yet. But I'm working on it. But these things are good because they give us that awareness. What we have gone through over the last couple weeks... I hope is increasing your awareness of some things. Today I want to talk about does your worship need a checkup? Does your worship need a checkup? And one of the things, one of the problems, and I say it's a problem because I truly believe it's a problem, is we do not go through regular evaluations of our Christian walk how many of you, and you can be honest if you've done this, I, I think the numbers are probably going to be, you know, low, but how many of you have ever gone to somebody and said, hey, I would like you to do a complete checkup of my Christian walk and tell me every area that I need to work on? Is there anybody that has actually done that? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, some of us may ask some things, but I mean, on a yearly basis, say, hey, you know, these were the goals that I set at the beginning of the year. Do you see any progress in them? You know, we don't do it. And yet, we say that our relationship with God is the most important thing in our life. And yet, we never evaluate it, or at least we don't evaluate it much. And let me just tell you, if you're only evaluating it every 10 years, that's not a good evaluation. A lot of vehicles will break down before then if you get an oil chain once every 10 years. You know, you have to give it some attention. You have to spend some time working on it. And I believe because our Christian walk is one of those things that people describe frequently as, well, it's personal to me. You know, they, they, they want it, it's just, it's all about me. They, they stop right there, and they don't go any further. You know, after all, what are we going to say when we look up to the God of heaven? Have you ever gone to God in a time of conversation and asked God, how am I doing worshiping you right now? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever evaluated yourself before God and saying, God, how am I doing worshiping you right now? in my life? Is there anything I need to adjust? Is there anything I need to adjust? Do I need to work my worship out a little bit more? I remember when the doctor told me that I needed to make sure I'm getting more exercise. Some of us only worship on Sunday morning, and let me just tell you, um, you need to add some worship to your life. You, you need to work out your worship at least three days a week minimum, if not seven, and at least a good 15 to 30 minutes every day. You need to add worship to your life. I love that last song that we sing because I raise a hallelujah specifically addresses so many things that we need to specifically work on in our time of worship individually. And if you don't do it daily you are actually setting yourself up for a major breakdown. 
Do I need to work my worship out a little bit more? Do I need some supplements to help my worship be more effective? Do you need some extra teaching? Do you need some better music? You know what? If you're struggling worshiping with what you have, there, there are unlimited sources of worship. You don't even have to have a, uh, any, you know, you don't have to have a CD or an 8-track. I know some of you is like, what's an 8-track? You don't need, you don't even, I don't even know if they have worship on 8-tracks. Let me be honest, Johnny Cash probably has most of them. Um, maybe Elvis there. But, uh, but there are so many resources that we can avail ourselves of that increase our ability to worship. YouTube, you can literally watch worship uh, night and day, live services on there. You can, you can do recorded service. There are so many. You can, you know, if you have, you know, Sirius XM, there are three different channels on there that provide worship music. Um, here locally, we are blessed in this area to have two or three different uh, great um, Christian uh, radio channels that have worship going throughout the day and sermons. There is no excuse. Say no excuse. Don't, don't ever come and tell me that you just can't find time to worship. Because how many of you have watched any TV this week? Okay. How many of you have ever sat down to have a meal to eat? Now, if you eat like the, what I watch some of the people when they go out, they, they never even talk to each other. At least put on some worship to make it worthwhile. But we need to quit using excuses to limit our ability to worship God and honor Him for who He is. We are, we are good with excuses. And, and I remember a saying I heard years ago, excuses are like armpits. Everybody has them and they all stink. So, so we need to just quit using excuses for why we're not doing something. I don't care what your personality type is. I don't care if you think, oh, this is my own little bubble and this is just what I'm comfortable with. Well, get uncomfortable once in a while so that you can experience more of God. Because if you limit God this far and no further, then what you also say is, God, I'm only interested in you being part of my life when I'm good with it. And God says, listen, you're either going to have all of me or none of me, and at some point, I'm just going to choose not to engage you in the conversation. Do you realize that at some point in the relationship, when God continues to come to us time and time again, and we block it, we shield him, we say, God, not right now, he quits coming to us. Because at some point when we've said, God, not right now, God just backs off and says, hey, when your life falls apart, come see me again. And that's typically what happens is when we fall apart, when we're breaking down, when everything is collapsing, then we say, God, where are you? And he said, I'm same place I've always been. I haven't moved. You moved. You left the protective covering. You left that area that I could be with you to support you and strengthen you in the midst of whatever you're going. Now, that's not to say that because we're in a relationship with God that we will never have anything go wrong. Let me just be honest. People who are close to God still have cars that break down. People who are close to God still deal with sicknesses. 
Don't let someone convince you that, you know, because this happened, you're living in sin. No, it's because we have things that break down. And I praise God when things go together. I remember my car that I had when I was in Bible college. And I was a, uh, when I was in Bible college, I supported myself all through Bible college. And I had this little red Nissan Sentra. Now, because I was supporting myself, I was working full time. There are times it was still rough to pay my way through college and make ends meet. And I am not, now I know this will sound extreme, but I had, I had someone rear end me on the car and I got enough money out of the insurance to keep me going in school. I never turned in the car because it was still drivable. Um, and literally I was at another difficult time in my life and I had someone run into the side of my car. And praise God, I had, you know, they had insurance, and I took the money and I paid for school. And I'm in church, I'm in, I'm a serious. Now, people in my church, they began to just know that I was going to have another story that developed. And I'm in church, and somebody walks into the back of the church in the midst of the message and says, hey, who owns this red Nissan out here in the parking lot? And, um... Of course, everybody pointed to me, and he said, I'm sorry, but I jumped the curb and I hit you. And, uh, and, and it paid, and I had, I'm not lying, I had four accidents in that car, and it paid my way through my senior year in college. And then I traded it in <laughs> for $200 at the, you know, they gave me $200 because they knew they could get that out of it, scrapping it. But that car became a source of provision. And, and who would have ever have thought that an accident would be a source of provision? You know, I just needed God to get me through another moment. And God, it was, it was a strange way. Praise God, none of the accidents were my fault. But I did after the fourth one, the insurance adjuster said, you probably want to get another car because I don't think anyone's going to write another check for you on this one. And... Uh, and that was okay, but it was God's provision. So even though I was close to God, bad things happened. And yet in the midst of that bad thing, God still brought something good out of it. But I, I had to still be in that place where God was taking care of me. And so I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, to, to push in and get closer to God and be willing to allow your worship time, your relationship with God to go through a time of a checkup. Now, I've, give, I've got three things for you today, and then we have a couple of individuals that are going to share. But before that, I want to share our passage of Scripture that I, I think is important for us to hear today. It's a lengthy passage of Scripture, but it's still so uh, valuable for us today. John chapter 4, verses 7 through 26. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into, into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, from the, with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. 
Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, you give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you who have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain or nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship what you do you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When the one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I love this passage and the, and the weight of what uh, it brings to our lives today. Jesus came and gave this woman a checkup. You know, he declared not only what had been going on, but what was wrong in her life today. The woman didn't get offended. Did you, did you notice that? <laughs> she didn't get offended in calling some, you know, strange names. She listened, declared that he must be a prophet, and then kept going in deeper. I, I love that she didn't get offended. So many times as we evaluate those around us, people say, Scripture says, don't judge me. It's like, hey, listen, just actually read the Scripture and understand that God's not telling us not to judge one another because in, in the house of God, we are to judge the fruit, you know, that is coming forth from the tree. And, and when we see something coming forth from a brother or sister's life, God holds us actually accountable to be our brother's keeper, to go to them and say, listen, this is what I'm seeing happening in your life. And I, I think it's, it's not what you tell me you want to have happen. And so God holds us actually accountable for calling those things into uh, a realization. And sometimes we use Scripture inappropriately to defend our wrong action, and, and that should not happen. We, we need to realize that God wants us to, to actually speak truthfully. And as, as believers, there comes a point where we need to, to take off uh, this robe that we wear, of, this robe of sensitivity that doesn't permit someone to call us on the carpet on something because it may offend us. Uh, I remember when I was playing football in high school, every, every uh, Monday um, I would sit down with our coach and we'd go over the previous uh, game. And, and he would tell me everything that I did, both good and bad. <laughs> and he would tell me, sometimes he'd say, uh, you were terrible here. Now, I never got offended that he told me I was terrible. 90% Maybe 99% of the time, we already knew it. 
Do you realize that 99% of the time you already know when you're falling short in an area? You don't need someone actually to tell you, but my, my coach calling this out actually helped me hold myself accountable. You're right, I didn't give my best effort there. And, and even through all the things he shared, I never got offended at him for sharing this message to me. The reason was, if I had, I wouldn't be playing very long. And I actually wanted to get better. <laughs> I wanted to improve. And somebody, somebody, sometimes somebody calling us out for poor performance actually helps us step up our game and improve. Now, we're not doing it for uh, that person that's calling us out. We're doing it to honor God. But if you don't ever put your life on the line and allow God to speak to you through someone else, then what you're saying is, God, it really doesn't matter. I'm good with where I am at in life, and you just have to accept this. And I don't think that's what we really want to say. So I'm going to give you a couple things that I think should be part of our, our, our yearly experience uh, personal experience. Number one, we need an evaluation. We need to be honest with the condition of our own heart. Worship is a, is a condition of the heart. If your heart's not right, you're not going to worship God properly because out of your heart is going to flow whatever you put there. So take care of it. Address the things that are going on in your heart. When you go, when you sit down with someone and you give them permission to speak in the, to your life, Actually listen to what they share and make adjustments. Number two, deal with the prognosis. The prognosis is the long-term outlook. Sometimes we can sit down with an indiv this individual or scripture and we can look at the long-term outlook of a certain set of behaviors, a certain set of practices. If, if we don't make changes then this is going to happen. Let me just be honest with you. If you go look at the children of Israel's wanderings in the wilderness time and time again, the number of uh, uh, individuals that God sent into their path to de deliver them from their trials and troubles, and yet what happened on a regular basis in their life? They went back to their old ways. God led them out of, you know, slavery, you know, following Moses. You know, and, and God was doing great things. And, uh, and then Moses, what ha where does Moses go to hear from God? Now, up until this point, had God been taking care of the children of Israel? And what happened when Moses was up on the mountain hearing from God? <laughs> they, they conspired together. They built this golden idol. They took all their gold, threw it in there. And then when Moses comes down and he sees this golden calf that they're worshiping, you know, uh, he, he's irate. And what did the people actually have the nerve of saying <laughs> happened? I'm testing your memories here. Yeah, it made itself. We, this just came out of the, you know, this, this is what came out of the fire, you know. I'm thinking, can you not come up with a better, you know, excuse than that? But they never wanted to take personal responsibility for their life. And so what happened is that there was always a cost. And see, we can look at the long-term prognosis of our current lifestyle by evaluating it next to Scripture. Because 
if we keep going down a certain path, there will be certain things that will happen. And then our final one is the follow-up. What do we need to change? You know, there's another word there, but my medical mind is pretty limited, and I couldn't come up with that final one that tells me what the plan of care basically is. What do I need to go home and do? And if I do these things, for me it was simple. The doctor said, quit eating all the fatty foods. It's like, all righty, thank you very much. You've eliminated 70% of my diet. So, but I'm working on it. But each one of us have to take whatever the, the, the results are of our doctor visit and then begin to evaluate how we can implement these, these changes that are necessary for us to truly grow in our faith. So today I've asked two other individuals to come and just share from their own personal experience of why they worship the way they do. What, what goes on inside of them? Last week we, we had a tremendous time with Meredith and Linda sharing. Didn't they do a great job last week? Fantastic. Today I wanted to call upon a couple of men to also share because men are worshipers too. All right. So I called upon two people that I find to be great worshipers in the house of God. First off, I'm going to call my uh, son-in-law, Michael, to come, and uh, he's going to share with you from his experience. That's so nice of you. Well, hi, everybody. Um, so for me, um, hopefully I don't go too long, but one, uh, there's two things for me. Uh, the first one is... So I, when I worship up here and when I worship down there are different but the same. And I was like, and I was like trying to think, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to worship here one way and then worship down there and everybody go, why does he worship differently? What's the deal? Because it should be the same. But the reason is, a, I was talking with Tia about it and I was like, well, what's different? Because the heart's the same. But and she was like, well, one is when you're down there, you have to do different things with your hands because your hands are doing something out here, and there's a, there's a reason for that. But when you're out there, if you kind of do that, if you don't know what you're doing, you're doing this Ricky Bobby thing of what do I do with my hands? So usually people go like this, or you're clapping or something. So I was like, okay, so why, why do I do the two different things? So the first one is when I'm out there, it's a time to literally just pour out your heart to God. Like that's what mine is, is it's, it's anything and everything. But in um, Psalm 62, David, it's the, the title of the chapter, basically says, for the choir director. But it's in, in that portion, he basically says, trust in God at all times, pour out your heart to him. And there's lots of ways we can do that. We pour out our heart when we're angry, when we're sad, when we're happy, when we're rejoicing, all of those kinds of things. So for me, that's a, that's a time to express Really, the inner, the inner turmoil, the inner desire, the inner feelings of my heart. It's the cry out to God. It's the rejoice to God. It's the thank you, God, for all the blessings you've given me. But then at the same time, it's the God, I need help because I'm struggling with these things. That's kind of the gist for when I don't have an instrument in my hand. Um, I can do the same thing up here. It's just different. And the reason why I say that is up here... And down there, they both can be prophetic. And that's a very big deal for me in worship is worship is prophetic. You can call out things in worship. 
you can, like, in, in Joshua and Jericho, there was a reason the worshipers or the people with the trumpets went first. For me, three years ago, um, I was at a, a worship service, and there was this guy who's in open Bible. His name's Lance Rhodes. He's very strong in prophetic gifting. And while I was playing, he, I think there was a lull or something, but he stopped and he, he called me out. And the thing that he said has stuck with me forever, and it speaks to me so much. And he says, when you play that bass, the sound wave sends out and not only breaks walls, but it breaks chains. And I'm like, well, why would you tell me that? And he's like, because the heart of your worship goes out. And I was like, okay. So every time I play, I think that every time. So if I don't look at you, that's probably why. If I'm up here playing and I'm not looking at anybody, there's a, there's a mode that I go, there's a reason I have this ability to do this. There's a reason why God has said, you are allowed to be up here and play. And for me, it's that shock wave. So when I play and get into it, if it's shaking your body, I'm sorry if it's too much, but like that's, I'm not doing it to go, oh, look at the bass, he's so powerful. It's the fact that I go, if there's walls here, if there's chains here, that's my way of saying, God, go and break those. If people outside hear it or whatever, like that's the idea. My idea is the shockwave from my worship through the bass sends that out and it goes out prophetically to say these chains are going to fall. These walls are going to break down. This is going to happen because you have called me to do this. And so that's, for me, those are the two things because they both can be prophetic. And that's the main thing for me is worship is an opportunity to be prophetic. Um, you can do it to yourself. You can speak over yourself. You can do it out loud when, you know, you'll have people who during times of worship, they speak out loud to encourage people or whatever, those kinds of things. But worship is a time where you can be prophetic. It's okay. It's okay to speak over yourself. You're not going to, who naturally wants to speak negatively over themselves? You're not going to, you don't, we do, okay? We do because it takes like five positives to replace a negative thought, okay? We do it naturally, but we don't want to. So we speak over ourselves. We speak that life. We speak those walls coming down. We speak those chains coming off because when you do, someone said yesterday, I don't remember, Mr. Gregory, there's power in the spoken word. If you do it and you think it, great. You can think it all you want. That's fine because that'll still help. But when you say it, there's a difference. It's the same thing with worship. If you worship inside, you can do that and you'll make your heart happy. But when you worship outside, there's power in that too. Thanks. <laughs> Willie, your presence is requested on this stage, please. Thank you. By the way, I like feeling the bass. Give me, give me a beat in the bass and we'll have church, you know. Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, thanks for being here, by the way. As a member of the worship team, it's always nice to look out and see people. That makes a difference. Uh, it really does. Uh, I was thinking about this when Pastor Ralph called me earlier in the week and really thought about the fact that each of us have our own journeys 
And uh, the reason for that is because God's a very personal God. You know, we don't, we don't get saved because we were born into the right family or, you know, we're the right race or right religion. It's a very personal thing. Uh, and God saves us individually. And I think our path to worship is the same way. It becomes a very individual path. And so when I was thinking about that, I thought, well, what were some of the markers in my journey? And I want to share a few of those with you um, for two purposes. One, I hope that maybe by sharing this, you might be able to see some markers that's happened in your own journey. And you might even not realize it right now at this point, but hopefully as I tell you a few of mine, maybe you can say, oh, I had something similar, or, or hey, this happened, and that becomes a marker for you. The second thing is to understand that markers never stop. Just because you get the one don't mean there's not another one. In fact, it will be that way your entire Christian walk. There's going to be markers. There's places where God draws a line in the sand or he puts something in your path because God has a place that he's taking all of us. And we get there at different times and in slightly different ways. But I think there's markers in our life. And that's um, kind of what I just wanted to share from my own experience. No way to lay this as a template over how you have to experience it. But I want you to know that God brings things in our life. And sometimes it's just a matter of being aware how God is doing that. So for worship, for me, it really did start as a child. And... Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and I've been very grateful for that. You know, we've heard Pastor Ralph's testimony was very different, and I've been so grateful for that. So as far back as I can remember, uh, Mom and Dad would come into the room, and, and we'd have prayer time, and they, would, they taught me you just talk to Jesus, right? It, it wasn't the, now I lay me down to sleep. How many of you know that prayer? I think it must have been written by Dr. Creep, because after the first line, it just all goes downhill. Yeah, right? Right? <laughs> now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Sweet dreams, honey. You know, good night. You know, no wonder so many kids need therapy. You know, it's kind of, that's, that's scary. Um, but uh, that was not how we prayed. We just prayed talking to Jesus, and that's how, that's how it started, and I was taught that that was, that was worship, and I was um, fortunate to grow up in a, in a church where worship happened and where men worshiped as well as women, just as was said earlier. I mean, there's a lot of guys in our church. They, they worshiped on Sunday morning like they, were, they had the first seat in the end zone of the playoffs, you know, with their favorite team. I mean, you couldn't tell the difference. They just gave it all. They laid it all out to God. And so to be able to see that, I think, was important uh, for me. Another marker happened when I was in high school, maybe 15 or 16, a really good friend of mine, uh, Scott Hammond. He later became a, a um, chaplain for the U.S. Army. And uh, so we, you know, between classes, um, we were getting a drink of water. And so he, he was in front of me, and, and he leaned over, you know, and turn the water fountain on and goes. I'm like, come on, dude, I'm thirsty. And he just goes on and gets louder and louder. So he gets done. He gets done. And, uh, and I said, uh, you sure are noisy. He said, a good drink's like worship. It's always better if you make a little noise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a great line. I mean, I remember it, you know, 10 years later. 
2030, whatever that's been. Um, and the thing that it impressed upon me was that even at 15 or 16 years old, he had an understanding that the expression to God, you know, brought something out of him. Uh, that the expression of God was like the thanks of a cool drink of water in the heat of summer. And, and that just made an impact on, on me and my life and helped me grow. And he was that guy, pastor, who would say, I mean, one time he said, Willie, you're so busy doing the work of the church, you're forgetting to be a Christian. So after, after I picked him up off the ground, we had to talk about that. Now, he, he was that guy that could, that could do that for me. Um, I was getting ready to graduate high school, and I was, um, I'd heard so many people, they'd come through, I went, went to Dayton Christian, and I heard so many people come through and give their testimonies, wonderful testimonies about what God had saved them from and delivered them from. And, um, you know, Satan began to use that against me. And Satan began to say, man, you, you don't really have a testimony. I mean, look at all these people. And there, people are riveted listening to how, you know, they were a drug lord or they were this or that and the other. And what do you got? Yeah, I was like, I, nothing, I guess. Right? And, and I remember laying on my face one night crying to God uh, because during this, during this time, it, and it's amazing how Satan sets things up. Um, I was offered a couple jobs in music, and they were secular music, and they would have definitely taken me the wrong way. Um, and I laid there crying before God, and almost as clear as what I'm talking to you right now, I heard the Holy Spirit say, Son, your testimony is not what I saved you out of, but what I kept you from. And the reason that was a marker in my life is it taught me that I could worship and give God praise for things that didn't happen, right, as well as things that did happen. I mean, it's like the great theologian Garth Brooks wrote, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers, right? There are some things that God keeps you from. And it was just another level and another marker as I look back that I see how God was teaching me to give him thanks and to look at things from a, from a little different uh, perspective. Then I remember the first time that I came across the word worship in Scripture. You know, the very first time that worship is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 22. Let me give you the context. Verse 1 of Genesis 22 says, And God chose to test Abraham. And he told Abraham, Take your son up to the mountain and sacrifice him there. And in verse 5, we get the picture as... They've made the trek. The firewood is there. There's been a couple of people that's gone along with them and has said, you know, they get to the bottom of the mountain, and Abraham looks at the others, and he says, you all stay here with the donkeys. Me and the boy are going up to worship God, and we will return to you. You know, the story is that God had asked him to take him and take Isaac, his son, to be the sacrifice. And in the midst of that, the word worship is first used when God is testing an individual. 
And when I thought about that, Pastor, I thought about how often God teaches us, marks our life in times of testing, marks our life in times of difficulty. And I would just say this, if you feel like, um, it seems like you have to go through the same thing over and over, the same struggle over and over, maybe, just maybe, your prayer should be, God, what are you trying to teach me about worship? Because I think until we, we get that message, we, we just go around that same mountain over and over. We go through that same difficulty over and over. But God taught me that many times some of your greatest growth in worship, some of your greatest understanding in worship comes during those times of testing. Comes when you feel like there's no way out. But, but Abraham knew that even if he had to sacrifice his son, we find out in Hebrews, that he knew that God would raise him from the dead. Here's the other thing that passage taught me. Sometimes when you move up to worship, you've got to leave some people behind. Some people are just donkey maintainers. I guess that's the only way to say it. You stay here with the donkeys. We're going to go worship. You know, they could have said, oh, no, we're coming with you. They didn't. They were fine where they were. And there are those, even in the Christian walk, they'll plateau. They're fine where they are. That's fine. I don't need any more of God. I'm good. But God... Sometimes, as we move up, we have to leave things behind. It's, it's really a, a sacrifice, I think. The same kind of sacrifice that uh, we saw with David in the Scripture. Um, when David said, I will not give my Lord the God that which cost me nothing. I won't offer God a gift. I won't offer God worship and praise that cost me nothing. I mean, it costs something of us. David also would tell Michal, his wife, he said, you call me undignified, I will become more undignified than this. And he's not talking about being an idiot. He's talking about, you say I can't act this way because I'm a king? No, I act this way because I serve the king. You t- telling me I can't do this because of my position? No, no, no. My position in society is usurped by the fact that I am humble before my God. And that's what he was talking about, becoming more undignified. Was, I, don't, I am not going to let pride stand in my way of giving God my everything. I'm not going to let what somebody else thinks, even though it's Mikhail, his wife, I'm not going to let what you think come in the way of giving everything, of pouring my heart and life out to my God and worshiping him with everything that I've got. You know, I came through a time in my life where I explored. I, I went and I wanted to have a greater understanding of how different people worship and ways they worship, just to have a greater understanding for myself. And that was, that was a marker for me. That was, that was very helpful. And probably, as I wind this up, the, the biggest marker that is kind of perpetual, and it's where I'm at today and have been growing through this for a while. I anticipate I'll be growing through this a long time. Jesus said, um, you're going to love me. You're going to love me with all your heart. You're going to love me with all your soul. You're going to love me with all your mind. The Greek word all is all. And it means all. (laughs) Aren't you wild right now at my understanding of the Greek? Uh, It's all. 
And Jesus says, you're going to love me with all your heart. And pastor, after you called, you know, this, I was thinking about this week, um, you know, little Luca, he'll be, he'll be two next month. It's crazy. I can look at him and be so overcome with a sense of joy and peace and pleasure while he's sleeping. A lot of that changes when he wakes up. But, but I thought, I can't think of anything I wouldn't do for him. I, I can't, you know. If you're a parent, you know. Chad, I'm sure you've already had those feelings. Yeah. Nothing you wouldn't give. Nothing you wouldn't do. And I think, do I serve God like that? Am I giving God my heart? Am I giving him everything? Not just when I'm up here, but when I'm aggravated at work, when somebody cuts me off in traffic. <laughs> what am I giving God then? Right? See, because worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not something you do. Worship is who you are. And you and I will never become tomorrow what we're not becoming today. That's why worship is that important. What a tremendous message. Um, I love the different perspectives from both individuals as they shared. And uh, I, I want to challenge you. Uh, it would be easy for me to call the worship team up and to um, engineer uh, an emotional response from you. Because um, worship does that for me. I tell you what, in the midst of worship, I'll just about agree to about anything. Um, because I get to that point where if God said to do this, I mean, I'm, I'm packing and leaving, you know. Um, and then I come down, and, and then I, I look to establish where God say, what God's saying in his word. And um, there's an emotional high to worship. Uh, it is. When you enter in, there is something about it that um, it literally begins to break things down. But what we have to be able to do is when we're done is to, to walk in a manner that is honoring of who God is and what his word establishes. And so um, we're going to prepare to close with a word of prayer. But I challenge you to begin to evaluate your own life. And let me just be honest. I don't, I don't care who you are. You need someone else to come along at times to evaluate things. You know? I would have told you for years, you know, I was healthy and that my cholesterol was fine. <laughs> Until I went to the doctor. And uh, he changed things. Um, and some of you are the same way. We need someone else that has the ability, the objective ability to look at us. And see, and that's where it's, it's important for you to look at. It's got to be objective. You, you've got to go to someone who is not going to try to do something to benefit them. You're just simply working on this individual, helping you to say, Okay, where, do you, where did you believe you were going to be this year, and where are you at? And what has gone on, you know, what have you done to work on these things or not done? 
and then begin to set a plan of care that you need to begin to address in your life to take you to where God wants you to be. I, I, I have no desire to be where I was January 1 of this year. I never want to see 2020 come back again in my life. I'm just going to be honest with you. But you know what the truth is? If we don't evaluate things on a regular basis, um, these things will come back and visit us again. You know, uh, I, don't ever, I don't ever want to go back to where I was, but I also um, don't want to stay where I'm at. And so I have to address those things. You know, one of the problems of the Corinthian church that Paul addressed was, you know, I'd love to give you some meat, but man, you're, you're stuck with the milk. You, you just want all this easy stuff. And, 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 and Paul was saying, listen, God's got so much more for you, um, but you have to want it. <laughs> You've got to want to get in. And praise God, he said meat, you know, it wasn't the broccoli. He didn't say, you've got to get into the broccoli more. He said, get into the meat. And so we've got we to gotta go deeper into some of those things, you know. Um, so I want you to do that for yourself, okay? A couple things to make you aware of before I close in prayer. Number one, downstairs um, on, against the wall and a couple other, uh, the, one of the round tables or a couple of the other rectangle tables down there, there are some items. We have been, Miss Martha, praise God for Miss Martha. She has been doing, her and Elaine, several others have been cleaning out um, uh, stashes of supplies, there are all kinds of decorations, glassware. You know, there's like three-foot glass, you know, um, uh, you know, plant holders. You know, if it is free today, if you want it, take it. Now, I say it's free today because it may not be here next week. Probably won't be because it's whatever is not taken is going to go to the dump. Um, we're not holding on to it. It's stuff we haven't used, um, some of it, you know, since I've been here in almost eight years. So um, if you want it, it's yours. If you don't, hey, that's okay. And, but we're not keeping it around. So we just want you to know we're doing some cleanup on things. And uh, we're doing a checkup on the, the building. Getting rid of junk, you know. So if you want it, it's yours. That's important. Number two, um, in a couple weeks, we're doing a baptism here at the church, Sanctuary. Those of you who don't know, this actually is a baptismal right here. This cover comes off. Those of you that were here Wednesday saw that. And we're going to do a baptism in here. There is a sign-up sheet out on the, the uh, uh, stone uh, table out there go, um, between the two areas. And uh, we want you to sign up if you'd like to be baptized because there's a little conversation we need to have. Um, Christina and Miss have been talking with the kids about uh, baptism. And uh, so they're going to have a list for us for baptism also. Um, but it's going to be a Sunday. It's going to, we're going to have that as part of baptism. Baptism is another expression of worship. And so we're going to have that as part of our morning service. And I tested the baptismal and it still holds water. So praise God. Uh, we're good to go there. But I just want you to be aware that uh, you're invited to sign up. Maybe at one point in your walk you were baptized early on in life, but you'd walked away from the Lord, and maybe you've been rededicated your life the last couple of years, and uh, maybe it's something you want to do again. It's okay. If you want to go, if you want to talk about it, maybe you're not sure, talk, sign up and I will contact you. Please put your phone number down there, and that way I make sure I have the right number to contact you at. Um, but uh, we want to make sure we can do this for all of you if that's something that you uh, 
Because Scripture tells us to be baptized in water. It is actually one of those sacraments, one of those commands of the Lord that we're to be baptized in water. It's an important element as a part of our worship. And so I want to invite you to do that. And also, I want you to keep uh, Kevin and Jamie in prayer. Um, Jamie is having contractions today. Tomorrow was supposed to be her day. They were going to induce her at 5 a.m. It may be today that she's going to have a new little baby. And so uh, please keep them in prayer. Um, So I... I was conversing with Kevin earlier, and he said that um, she, they're actually timing her contractions now, and, and they may be going to the hospital very soon. So um, please keep them in prayer. Another little baby coming here soon. So um, it's another exciting time. So uh, see what happens. You know, they said, you know, that uh, over the next nine months because of COVID, there's going to be a lot more babies. So keep going, church. We're growing one at a time. We'll take them all, uh, and uh, it's going to be a fantastic time. So um, I think that's it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and pray to close our time. We're also going to pray over our offering. And so if our ushers would come, we're going to wait upon you for our morning tithes and offering. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, the opportunity to worship, to learn about worship, to expand our awareness, to uh, go through a time of checking up on ourselves, to make sure what we're bringing um, is actually honoring you. Uh, Thank you for uh, Michael and Willie for sharing uh, their experience. Uh, Thank you last week for uh, uh, Meredith and Linda for sharing from their experience. And Father, I just thank you as we continue to grow in our awareness of worship that, uh, Father, uh, our faith would grow. Uh, Father, that we would begin to openly declare over our own lives the things that your word declares is true. And we thank you. Uh, We also pray your blessing on this offering. We thank you for the faithfulness of your people and their giving. And uh, we just ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Praise God. Just want to continue to remind you of these important things that are going on. Um, Not asking you to immediately run out of here as soon as we uh, dismiss you to go downstairs. But please stop downstairs before you leave and see if there's anything that you'd like to bless your home life with. So. Alrighty. God bless you. Love on one another today.